Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm joined today by Mark Zeller. He is the integrations lead at Aave, an open source and non-custodial liquidity protocol that is the talk of the town these days. And so I'm really excited to have Mark here to tell you all a little bit more about the story of Aave and all the cool things that you can do on the protocol. So welcome, Mark. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor. Of course. So before we dive into Ave, I want to know a little bit more about your background. So take me back to when you first started learning about crypto. When was that and what got you interested in it? So I heard about uh, crypto with Bitcoin, like most people. My first reaction was, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like I had like an instant rejection of the idea of Bitcoin because before learning about crypto, you need to unlearn a lot. So you need to unlearn everything you know or think you know about uh, the financial system, the economy, all these kind of things. Because as regular citizens, we learn many things about the economy. Uh, we have what is uh, shared by the media, all these kind of things. And it's very easy to find the idea of Bitcoin super weird. And I understand that a lot of people are having a hard time to have this first impression about crypto. And... But that first impression that was like kind of bad was surimplanted by curiosity. Why this thing that I find super weird attracts so many people, attracts so many projects, so many traction and things that are interesting. So I'd start digging and researching and researching and researching. I started investing, doing some very bad trades and losing a lot of money like everyone. <laughs> and uh, at some point, uh, I decided that uh, I was not a good trader, but I can be uh, some kind of developer <laughs> and the technical stuff were more my turf. I think I were more successful on the technical side than the financial side. Uh, that, that's for sure especially when I discovered Ethereum in 2015. And I basically fallen in love with, with the Ethereum technology. I created uh, with a few friends, as you can hear it, with my thick accent and French, Ethereum France Nonprofit uh, Association. Uh, we organized wor workshops, meetups, conference, the LCC conference in Paris uh, before the pandemic uh, that uh, we had uh, many conferences uh, and uh, one every year. And... Uh, yeah, I started from there. I joined Consensus in 2016. I joined a crypto a regulated French uh, crypto broker in 2018. And I had the luck and uh, the lifetime opportunity to join Aave in 2019 to build uh, what we have right now, uh, the Aave protocol. First, the version one, we released the version two in December 2020. And uh, now we just released the uh, market on Polygon and uh, so many stuff that we are keep on building for to bring decentralized finance in everybody's end. Very cool. So you got into Bitcoin and crypto in the pretty early days. This was probably like around what, 2013? 2013. 
So the first uh, mega cycle. So <laughs> there, there's a lot of cycle in crypto and usually people join in at the top. So usually when you heard about crypto, you buy uh, <laughs> uh, at the top price, but uh, there's never a bad moment to discover about crypto because at the end of the day, if you wait a few years or if you learn a few skills, there's always a lot of opportunities in crypto. My super circle was 2013. A lot of people joined uh, the ecosystem in 2017 and a lot of people listening to us right now just joined uh, over the past six months and I welcome them in our ecosystem. I know it's hard at the beginning, keep on digging. There's a lot of things to learn. There's a lot of things to unlearn as well, but uh, it's definitely worth it. For sure. That's what I tell people too. You got to just stay patient and hold on for the long run. I was one of those people that hopped in in 2017, but I quickly dropped off, you know, as soon as the markets went down again. I think probably a lot of people will see a lot of people doing that with this cycle as well. Anytime you come in at the top, you're going to see a lot of people drop off after all the hype is over. I think one thing you said that was really relatable is when you first heard about Bitcoin and crypto, you, th you thought it was very weird and very difficult to understand. So how would you explain crypto to somebody who is just getting in on this cycle right now? It's maybe like this. This sounds like very counterintuitive. It's all very strange. I don't get, you know, why all these people are super into it. How would you explain to them, you know, sort of like what the draw is for crypto? I think, at least in my opinion, uh, it all boils down that uh, giving back ownership to people to their own money. Uh, in crypto, you own your assets and that will be the first time in your financial history as uh, an individual that you actually own your own money. A lot of people know it, but not necessarily realize it. But when you have uh, some money in a bank account, the bank owns your money. And basically, by law, uh, they they are supposed to give it back to you if you you ask for it. But you have absolutely no control of what they do with your money uh, while uh, your money is deposited there. And everybody learned in 2008 uh, what happened with the, the financial system. Everybody is learning what is happening right now during the COVID crisis. A lot of money is being printed by central banks everywhere in the world. Uh, a lot of money is being spent by governments. Uh, a lot of debt is being accumulated. All these kind of things cannot happen inside the Bitcoin or crypto ecosystem because uh, there's a full auditability, a full verification that can happen on asset on chain. So you don't have to trust any third party. You own your own assets and you know where the money is. And the ability to be able to answer the very simple question, where the money is, is something that is a financial revolution that only happens since we have the, the crypto ecosystem. Yeah, 100%. I, one thing that I've learned more about since joining the crypto space was I learned more about traditional finance. And I think a lot of the questions you just asked, where where is our money? These are questions that people don't even ask themselves because we take it for granted that, you know, our, our money is, we assume our money is safe somewhere and that we have yeah. it. Everybody loved the financial system until there's a crisis. Like in 2007, everybody was saying like, uh, there's, there's a lot of growth in the GDP also. So what, uh, the housing market will always go up and so on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everybody loves the system until there's a crisis. In crypto, uh, at least you, you know what is happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what do you see as some of the biggest barriers today that are preventing a lot of people from getting into the crypto space and fully understanding it? 
Well, the first thing I want to say uh, as someone who spent a few years inside the ecosystem is that things are definitely getting better. It's much easier now to, for example, open a Coinbase account than it was in 2016. Uh, it's much easier now to do some trading on several assets uh, on whatever exchange, FTX, Binance, or whatever you feel comfortable using. You have all the decentralized finance. That was not a thing like a few years ago. Uh, now, if you want to exchange uh, in a completely trustless uh, way assets, you can do that, for example, on Uniswap, PunkleSwap, or whatever people want to use. You can do self-custody loans and completely decentralized way uh, with platforms such as Aave, Compound, MakerDAO, or the other ones. And all these enablers are making the ecosystem much more easier to use. Uh, each year, it's getting better, but there's still a lot of things that can be done and should be done to make things easier. For example, the on-ramp and off-ramp system, it's still slow. It still heavily relies on uh, centralized banks. I don't think you have that much the issue in the US, but for example, in Europe and especially in France, my country of origin, a lot of banks are uh, blocking the on-ramp and off-ramp, uh, even if that's not legal to join a centralized exchange uh, such as Kraken, Binance or uh, whatever because they don't want to deal with crypto. They have control over your money and even if it's your money, you work hard for it, you pay your tax on it. If you want to invest in Bitcoin, uh, in France, the bank will give you a hard time to access this kind of wrap. And uh, that's something that needs uh, to have some improvement. Also, the user interface, uh, it's so clunky right now. It's uh, it's highly technical. It's a bit like the first day of the internet. Like uh, I'm not that old, but I remember uh, the internet before the fibers, uh, before the, the VDSL, all these kind of things where you needed like three days to download the song on the internet, legally or not. Crypto is a bit at that stage right now. So for example, if you have an Ethereum address, that's 42 hexadecimal best 16 uh, characters that start with 0x, like I don't know what, uh, if you ask me right now, I don't know what my Ethereum address is because obviously I don't know uh, 40 random hexadecimal characters. And that's why there's cool project like Unstable Domains because my address can be markzilla.crypto uh, with you guys. All this kind of small thing will make crypto easier and more accessible to absolutely everyone. Love it. And last question before we dive into Ave is what are your go-to resources for learning more about the space? Because, you know, even though you're already deep in the space, things are moving so fast. There's always more learnings to do. So who are your favorite Twitter people to follow, your favorite blogs, your favorite books, uh, best places for people to go and learn more about crypto? Well, I there, there's a good podcast, I mean, right now. <laughs> That's a good first step. Uh, if you are listening to this, you are, you are on the right path. Uh, congratulations on that. On the specificity of decentralized finance, which is the main topic, I will highly recommend uh, DeFi Dad, who do a lot of video on YouTube, who is very active on Twitter. I think that's a very good uh, first resource. Also on YouTube, you will find Finematics, 
who does uh, awesome videos in 10 minutes uh, with like a lot of charts and uh, explanation that are super accessible. Anybody can understand very complex uh, topic. Like, this is like some kind of superpower. Uh, I really uh, appreciate in our ecosystem that a few people out there, they are able to explain very complex stuff to anybody in very simple terms. And I have the feeling like Defidad and Finematics are uh, among those people. I think you're at least the third guest we've had on the podcast to shout out DeFi Dad. And so we're bringing him on in a couple of episodes. So people will finally be able to hear from him and learn from him uh, since so many people obviously use him as their go-to resource for learning in the DeFi space. That's so cool. Yeah, so I want to dive into Aave now. So Aave, again, is an open source and non-custodial liquidity protocol for earning interest on deposits and borrowing assets. So what does this actually mean for users in plain English? Well, in plain English, that means there's two kinds of users of Aave. I will say like 90 to 95% of the user are what we call liquidity provider. So let's say you have some USD into Coinbase you can buy into Coinbase USDC, which is a special token that we call a stable coin. So it's a non-speculative asset. You will not get rich by your USDC, but you will not lose money because it's based on the USD and it's pegged to the USD. And you can decide to withdraw your USD from Coinbase and deposit that into Aave. Basically, that USDC will be used by the other actors of Aave, the borrowers, that will use that liquidity let's say, to do uh, margin trading or to finance short-term liquidity needs because they don't want to sell their ETH. So they use their ETH as collateral to borrow USDC and spend that and then pay back the loan to the protocol. And basically, if you do that, you will collect some yield as a liquidity provider because the innovation of DeFi is that you cut out the middleman. So if someone borrow an asset you provided, he will pay interest and that interest will go back directly to you. And there's nothing to do. It's completely handled by the protocol and everything is done on smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain. It has been uh, audited by six different uh, security uh, audit firms for the code. We have a safety module of half a billion dollars of a protection fund if anything uh, funky happens inside the contract. And everything is done on autopilot. You deposit some USDC and you will get more in USDC at the end. Uh, the interest are paid every second because it's happened on the blockchain. There's no lockup period. You can deposit, withdraw, open a loan, no paperwork, no middleman, no commission, uh, these kind of things. And that's the power of decentralized finance. Wow. Uh, it sounds like magic to people who are still in the traditional finance world and haven't had any exposure to this. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you mentioned some other protocols. There's, you know, multiple DeFi protocols out there. For instance, Compound is another one. We had Calvin Liu from Compound on the podcast, one of our earlier episodes. But what are some things that set Aave apart from other DeFi protocols? And I know like one of those things I think is your your flash loans that you guys do, which it's not a thing at all in traditional finance. So I think might be feel new and a little hard to digest for people who are new to the DeFi space. But yeah, go ahead and talk a little bit about like some of the things that set Aave apart from um, some other DeFi protocols out there. I think the, the first thing I want to say on that topic is that decentralized finance is a paradigm shift uh, compared to traditional finance in the sense that in DeFi, there's no point in competing. 
Like for example, Compound is a great protocol. I invite a, a listener to compare Compound and Aave or even MakerDAO or the other protocols. But actually what happened in DeFi is even more interesting to have synergy between protocols than competition. For example, uh, the majority of the Aave user don't use the Aave interface at all because they use other protocols that will deposit uh, in, on the behalf of their user uh, into Aave. Like for example, whyearn.finance, which is a pretty famous uh, yield farming uh, uh, protocol. Uh, for example, Curve, which is the, the biggest uh, stablecoin exchange uh, decentralized on, on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, they deposit uh, the uh, user asset into Aave, all these kind of things. And the synergy can create better things for the end user without them having to know that they exist. Obviously, everything is auditable, this is blockchain, but you can attain a better yields and better experience by working with the other protocol. That's why DeFi is going so fast as well. It's because we are always building things and new things together uh, between protocols. That, that's the first thing. In terms of what make Aave different is that uh, you talked about the flash loans. So the flash loans are not for every single user, even if uh, every single user benefits from it. So it's a loan and uh, that's something that can only happen uh, with the technology of the Ethereum blockchain that you will open and close exactly at the same time. There, there's no duration loans. And basically what happened is that inside the Ethereum blockchain transaction, you can do many stuff so one transaction is not one action, is as many action as you want to do uh, inside the same interaction with the blockchain. So if I take some DAI, buy an asset on the platform A and find that this asset is slightly uh, more expensive, has more value on the platform B, I can take money from Aave, buy it on platform A, sell it on platform B, uh, send back the money to Aave and keep the difference for myself. And obviously there's a lot of boats and uh, market makings and high frequency traders doing that all the time. But the interesting thing is that with every flash loan, there's a flash fee. And if you provide liquidity into Aave, you will collect the flash fees. So that's why on average, and people can check the data, this is blockchain, everything is auditable. When you deposit money into Aave, you will get a higher yield on average than every single other platform that are compatible. Like uh, for example, MakerDAO, you don't have a yield there, but also Compound or the other guys. And because you have all this small innovation that works in the background to give a better experience and a better yield for the end users. What are some use cases that would make sense with flash loans? So I talked about uh, arbitrage. So basically uh, benefiting from price difference between different platform on chain. Uh, one of the main usage is uh, leverage. So traders use flash loans in order to take liquidity and increase their leverage uh, to basically bet uh, on the price increase or decrease of an asset on chain. Uh, the, the main platform doing that using Aave Flash Loan is DeFi Saver. We got billions of dollars of volume from DeFi Saver using Aave Flash Loan uh, in 2020, uh, more than a, like quite a few billion in 2021 as well. Another one is liquidation. So basically if there's a loan 
and there's not enough collateral, you can do a flash loan to uh, liquidate a loan on behalf of the borrowers and basically uh, take uh, the collateral incentive uh, directly for yourself. And if you have a boat and you use the flash loan, you don't need capital to do that. So all this kind of small innovation. But what I want the listener of this podcast to basically take away from this is that in DeFi, for the first time, financial innovation works for the end users. Like in traditional finance, there's a lot of financial innovation. You have like all the crazy stuff like CDS, CDO that we got in 2008 with the, the subprime and whatever. And this financial innovation was working for your banks, your hedge fund manager, your coin funds or whatever. In DeFi, this financial innovation, people make money out of it. But when they make money, they got to pay a fee to you because they are using your money. And that's the main point. In DeFi, if someone uses your money, they got to pay for it and you will get your share. That's the main difference with the traditional financial world because when you have money in your bank, they use your money to do whatever they, they do, but you mostly don't get anything uh, from it. You don't get your share. That's the main difference. In DeFi, you get your share because that's your money. Yeah, got it, got it. And then a couple of other features I want to call out too that are unique to Aave is Aave allows users to switch between stable and variable interest rates, right? Which I think is not something that other DeFi protocols allow. Not that we're competing here, but just to educate listeners a little bit more on you know why that's important or why that's useful. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So obviously crypto is famous for uh, volatility. So uh, the, the price volatility of assets. So Bitcoin can be at 20K one day and 60K the other day. And more recently, like last weekend, uh, before we record the, uh, this podcast uh, from 60 to 50K, uh, all these kind of things. So there's a lot of volatility in crypto. It's the same for the interest rate because the interest rates are defined by the smart contract code uh, with the available liquidity. So if there's a lot of uh, liquidity into the protocol, the interest rate will be cheap. If there's not a lot to incentivize people to make more deposits or borrow less, the interest rate will be high. And there's no way you can predict that. And obviously, uh, volatility will happen uh, inside the crypto ecosystem. So Aave designed and basically invented the concept of stable rate uh, into borrowing in DeFi. So you get to choose as a borrower if you want to pay the market rate, which will always be the, the cheaper at this moment in time. Or if you okay to pay a small premium, usually it's like one or two percent more uh, than the variable rate, but your stable rate will be stable. So you will know exactly what you will pay over a period of time. And as I said, all financial innovation in DeFi benefit the end user. And on average, we have like 20% of the, the loans that are taken with stable rates with people that want safety, security, and predictability on their rate, and 80% of variable rate. But as people paying uh, the stable rate pay a small premium, on average, the depositor, the people collecting the interest paid by the borrowers, they get more money because the, the stable rate people, they pay more than the variable rate people. That's also one of the many reasons why the yields are better on average on Aave than any other platform. 
And then another thing that I want to call out with Ave is that you guys have maybe one of the most diverse ranges of DeFi collateral in the space, right? So how many different types of collateral do you actually have right now? Oh, there's a lot. Uh, a new one that uh, just happened today or will happen tomorrow, which is Renfield. So the tokenization of Bitcoin uh, directly into Aave. Uh, the vote was just passed as we are recording uh, this episode. We are the 19th of April, uh, 2021. So I think, if I'm not wrong, that will be the 22nd asset uh, listed on Aave V2. So that, uh, that's quite a few, much more than the other platforms. That's the good thing about Aave is that Aave is completely a decentralized autonomous organization. So what we call a asset or boarding, uh, what we are other people who, uh, in centralized finance, we can call a listing, but there's no point in, uh, in calling that a listing because we are decentralized. So it's an asset or boarding. It happens through the will of the Aave community. This is a very important point. We have this process that we call the AIP process, Ave Improvement Proposal. And basically anybody in the world can, uh, with a keyboard and a screen and an okay, internet connection can go to governance.ave.com and say, Hey, I'm a bit fan of asset uh, X and I want uh, that asset to, to be listed into Ave. Obviously it's standardized. So please follow the, the, the standard to, to do a non-boarding proposal, but uh, anybody can do that. And if the AME communities think, oh yeah, that's a great idea, we should do that. Then they get proposal power to uh, the guy asking for it. And then uh, the AIP will, will happen. And if people vote for it, the asset is directly onboarded without any single human intervention or team intervention. I'm part of the AVE team. I have the, the luck of the, and the honor to, to be part of it, but I have zero control on the AVE protocol. Only the AVE community control the AVE protocol and can onboard an asset or not, or remove an asset from the protocol, or all these kind of things. And that's also one of the innovation of decentralized finance. Uh, you control your money, but you also control your protocol. Anybody that owns the AVE asset control the AVE protocol. Yeah, that's super interesting. I was going to ask you about that too and the Ave coin or the Ave token that you have. Before we dive into that, there, so you have an Ave token and then there's also something called A tokens and those are not the same thing. So just can you clarify that for listeners? What is the difference between the Ave token and the A token? So the Ave token is the center of gravity of the Ave protocol in the sense that it controls directly the Ave governance. And basically what I described with the AIP process, so the unchecked governance vote to, uh, for example, list a new asset, onboard a new asset, or change the parameters on an asset, or uh, create a new market like what happened recently on uh, the Polygon blockchain. It can happen because the people that own the Aave token said they are okay to, uh, for it to happen. Uh, if they don't say yes, it cannot happen. Like technically, it cannot happen. That uh, That's the main thing. And if you own Ave, you own the control of that. You also own all the, the control over all the protocol fees. So a very small fraction of the interest paid by the borrowers are collected by what we call the fee collector contract. Everything happened on chain. Everything is on the table. Uh, right now, the governance did not decide to distribute those funds, but they have full control over the smart contract uh, having these funds. And it's around uh, 200K per week of revenue. So that's uh, that's not small fit. 
that's also something that is controlled by the Aave token uh, community or the Aave go uh, governance. Uh, the A tokens is also a very interesting thing is that the example we, we talked about earlier about someone having some USD into Coinbase and converting that into USDC and depositing the USDC into Aave. I really believe, and I think it's important that in DeFi, there's no Aave user, there's no Uniswap user, there's no uh, Curve user or whatever uh, uh, protocol user. There's only DeFi user. And it's really important that in decentralized finance, in the decentralized finance ecosystem, you remain in full control of your money. So if you deposit USDC uh, into Aave, for example, or any other kind of asset uh, among the 20-ish uh, asset we list, you will collect what we call a A token, which is a tokenization IOU representation of your deposit. So if you uh, deposit 100 USDC, you will collect 100 AUSDC. So the A token version of USDC. And after that, you can do absolutely whatever you want with the AUSDC. And that's where the synergy plays out. If you want to provide liquidity on Uniswap with your AUSDC, you can do that. If you want to deposit your AUSDC into Curve, so you get the yield from the Curve Finance protocol on top of the Aave yield, you can do that as well, and so on and so forth. And that's where what we call inside the ecosystem composability, the ability to find cool synergy and financial engineering between protocols uh, can happen. And uh, uh, allowing that uh, is uh, enabled by the creation of the A tokens. And then earlier, another thing you mentioned too is um, your V1 and then you recently went to the V2 back in December of 2020. Tell me a little bit more about the evolution of Aave over time. You guys actually started as ETHLAND and that eventually switched to Aave. And then you've, you have your V1, your V2, and then Polygon. W what do all these different things mean? So the Aave journey started in 2017. There's been an ICO done with the land asset. I've I think the, uh, the Aave Genesis team raised $17 million back in the days, like uh, in 2017, uh, in order to create Atlant Protocol, which is deprecated now, but it was actually one of the very first implementation of decentralized finance inside the Ethereum ecosystem. And it was a peer-to-peer -peer loan system. So basically, uh, if you want to lend money or borrow money, you will have to find someone uh, that will uh, accept your loan offer or loan demand. And it was a first step. Obviously, it was not as seamless as we have right now, but it was a first step. It was uh, quite uh, successful back in the days, like the world ecosystem was uh, much more smaller than it is right now, but all things considered, it was a success back in the days. And the idea was to take from that MVP, minimum viable product or protocol, and basically incrementally innovate and uh, increase the innovation and uh, the tech to have something better for the end user. And that's why in the, the early days of 2020, uh, the Aave V1 was released with the innovation of the flash loan, the stable rate, everything we, we talked about a, a bit earlier. And we didn't stop there because in December 2020, we released the V2 of Aave, uh, which has much more improved flash loan. So the ability to do flash loan with 20-ish uh, currency all at the same time, that, that's crazy tech style. That, the kind of tech that is uh, not 
easily distinguishable from magic uh, at this point. <laughs> There's also uh, the innovation of the collateral swaps, the ability, even if you have a position open to swap your collateral, it's very useful for traders that want to de-risk a position or increase the risk of a position if they want more leverage or these kind of things. And also something that is extremely important is that Ethereum is victim of the, its own success. So right now, if you want to use what we call Ethereum layer one, so the Ethereum mainnet that most people uh, use today, it's extremely expensive to do. If you want to deposit into Aave, you will pay like 20, 30, a day like this, uh, which is a very high uh, transaction fee cost, maybe $40. And that's not acceptable to do that because uh, as developers of a technology that should be open to everyone, that should give back access of people of their own money, we cannot accept as protocol developers to offer services that are only accessible to the rich. And that's basically what happened. Right now on Ethereum, if you have less than $10,000, DeFi is not for you because it's too expensive. And that's not something that was acceptable. So we worked a lot and AVV2 was a huge uh, downside on the transaction cost to use the protocol uh, from 30 to 70% of the, the transaction cost compared to V1. So that's a, a huge progress. But we went even further uh, recently by launching the Aave market on Polygon. And right now you can do all the blockchain interaction, everything we talked about during this podcast for less than one cent transaction fee. And it's live right now. There's $650 million of deposit already in less uh, than two weeks. So it's a huge success. We have like tens of thousands of users on the Aveon Polygon market already. Uh, we created bridge between uh, the Polygon blockchain and the BSC blockchain for all the Binance users so they can migrate from Binance directly to uh, the Polygon market. And that we will dedicate all our focus to bring back DeFi for everyone because we don't want finance only for the rich. We want finance for everyone. Even if you are, if your net worth is $100, we respect you. You deserve to, to use DeFi at its full capacity. And that's why we are working on it. And uh, that explains the main innovation on the protocol uh, these last few weeks. I, I love that mission and that vision. I, I am 100% in line with that vision. I think that that's something that drew me on board the DeFi train initially is learning that, you know, DeFi can serve all communities and really level the playing field for all communities, no matter what your background is, or if you're, you come from a disadvantaged neighborhood or anything like that. How were you able to reduce your transaction fees by so much, by the way? was Did you guys build an L2? So... Two things. So on the V2, it was a lot of code optimization. It was like uh, all the, the credits uh, should go to the core developers of Aave, uh, mostly uh, Emilio and Ernesto, which are wizards at this point. They went into the mechanics of the, the code to be able to extract every uh, cost they could to, uh, to, uh, to have a better service for the end user. But uh, using the Polygon blockchain, which is not the Ethereum blockchain, it's a commit chain. So it's a sister chain of the Ethereum blockchain uh, using the same technology and basically relying on the security of the Ethereum blockchain, but 
using the proof of stake uh, consensus system. So something that is uh, more scalable, uh, easier to do and doesn't uh, need to have like uh, all the hash rate and computing power that uh, sometimes are, um, people are concerned about in the blockchain ecosystem, about mining and all these kind of things. And it allows to bring down the gas cost uh, by quite a bit uh, because right now, for example, depositing into Aave on Polygon, uh, I told you like on Aave uh, V2 on Ethereum, it costs right now $40. Uh, on Polygon, it costs you one hundredth of a cent. So it's almost free. Yeah, wow, that's, that's really incredible. So who's all using... Ave right now, my guess is it's still mostly crypto natives that are using it right now. Is that right? Uh, yes, but less and less. The answer to that question was um, uh, completely yes uh, one year ago. Uh, to be honest, when the, the full market was uh, $600 million or these kind of things. Uh, no, uh, the decentralized finance market is around $50 billion or even more than that. I, I didn't check recently, but probably more than that now. I'm impressed by how diverse uh, the audience of decentralized finance is because you have like pretty big hedge funds with like dozens of millions of dollars or even more than that. You have uh, uh, crypto native, uh, we are, who have like Bitcoin and uh, ETH and whatever or Chainlink or whatever asset they have. And you also have a, a lot of uh, small people uh, in the sense that uh, they discovered uh, crypto recently, they don't have very large portfolios, especially on the Polygon uh, market, uh, people that are exploring. And uh, for example, there's a huge crypto and especially DeFi community in Argentina because they do understand uh, the need for crypto uh, when you are in a country with a lot of inflation or where the economy is not that good, uh, you understand the benefits of crypto and uh, they use uh, decentralized finance a lot as some kind of proxy saving accounts. So instead of having their money into banks that uh, basically steal their money because uh, of the inflation, you deposit $100 worth one day and two months later, it's only worth $10 because the, the local currency is worth less. Uh, you can convert that into USD and deposit that into Aave and you know that you, you will keep collecting interest and you will keep your purchasing power in your own country. And know that we basically solve for most users the transaction fee issue. Uh, this kind of audience from other kinds of countries or maybe less rich uh, environments are coming back into DeFi. And I'm uh, very happy uh, for that to happen because they they are the one, if we cannot provide the service for them, it doesn't make sense. That's the, the focus. We should provide uh, a service for everyone on the planet. So I think for anybody listening to this, it's become pretty clear why you know, I think you've made the case for DeFi pretty clear. Are there any specific, I guess, marketing plans or strategies that you guys are putting in place to appeal to the quote unquote normies out there and bring DeFi to the mainstream that you're, you know, implementing in the next year? Just because that's something that I constantly think about at Unstoppable too, is like, how do we reach the mainstream with this? And uh, so I'm always happy to just, you know, hear what other people are thinking and doing. Well, to be honest, uh, the, the banks in America are doing a lot of marketing for us. 
uh, especially when we see high yield saving accounts uh, making you uh, earn a 0.5% <laughs> on your savings. Like uh, that's a lot of publicity for DeFi because uh, I can assure you uh, that's not the same kind of yields uh, we have on the decentralized finance ecosystem. And it's even worse in Europe. I'm from Europe and you can hear it. And uh, in Europe, we have more and more negative interest rates. So basically, if you deposit money into your bank, the bank will take your money just for the services of holding your money. And that's something that is more and more widespread in the world. Uh, in the US, you are not touched by that yet, but uh, I'm highly convinced it's a possibility for the next few years, especially uh, with what happened in the, uh, with the pandemic this past year. And that's a lot of marketing for decentralized finance because it cannot happen on decentralized finance. It cannot happen in an environment where you own uh, your own assets and uh, you are the owner of your own money. But uh, that being said, that marketing is not enough if the user experience is not good enough. And what we need and the main focus, and that's basically a part of my job as integration lead, is to make sure it's more and more easier to use decentralized finance services. And there's a lot of platforms that help people doing that. I'm thinking, for example, of Dharma, which is a big app in the US that probably some listener knows already that is super easy. You can use it from your mobile. You can uh, link your bank account and do a deposit from it. For example, the Rainbow Wallet, they are doing a great job uh, for accessibility as well. Uh, all these kind of things that will make the life easier for the end user will make DeFi more accessible to everyone. Like great technology should be invisible. It should be as easy to deposit into Aave that it is to connect into your Facebook account. And we are not there yet. Uh, it's much easier right now than it was last year, but there's still a lot of work and we want to go there. And we will work every day to make sure it's easy for everyone, no matter what your background. I certainly hope that we see some UX improvements too in the next year, you know, in the near future in the space. What other trends do you see happening in the DeFi space in, in the next year? Uh, I think the, the main thing is uh, there's going to be more and more innovation and also uh, the lines between uh, real world finance and decentralized finance will blur more and more. And we will see uh, what we call real-world assets, so securities or uh, stock tokenization or these kind of things uh, appear more and more often uh, inside the DeFi ecosystem. There's a lot of innovation, like real estate tokenization. Uh, that's something that grew a lot this year. It's still small, but it's growing more and more. Uh, we will see uh, also more and more People from the traditional world, like hedge funds and banks and all these kind of things, uh, deposit into DeFi because they are fleeing uh, their negative interest rate. That's also part of my job. So we have uh, a very diverse audience uh, into Aave and into DeFi, from people in Argentina to hedge fund managing hundreds of millions of dollars. And basically in Europe, they are fleeing the negative interest rate. And I think in the US, it will be uh, more and more the case as well. Uh, so we will see more and more big institutions 
getting into crypto. We already have the sign of that uh, with like MicroStrategy investing in Bitcoin, uh, Tesla uh, investing in Bitcoin and adding their treasury uh, into Bitcoin. Uh, I really believe that there's a very high probability that a big company out there, like from the stock market, that an, a name that everybody knows that has a sizable treasury will decide to allocate a part of it in Aave or in MakerDAO or in Compound uh, in 2021. I think the, the probability of that happening is very high, especially with very large company having very large cash deposits uh, and treasury, such as, for example, Apple or Amazon or whatever. At some point, they will not uh, love the fact of being uh, in negative interest rate. And DeFi is an opportunity for them. And I see one of them uh, taking this opportunity. And that will bring a lot of mainstream attention into the ecosystem. Because when you see a big player do something, uh, that creates your curiosity as a human being. Just like I did in 2013, when there's been like uh, so many stuff happening inside the ecosystem in 2013, I was curious. It seems weird. It seems frightening to me back in the days, but I was curious and I dived into it. And it will happen again in this cycle and uh, all the other sectors after this one. The slowest road is going to be for that first big player to step into the scene. But once one big player comes in, I think everybody's just going to follow suit pretty quickly. What's new for Ave in the rest of 2021 and maybe on to 2022? Do you guys have plans for a V3 or V4 or is Polygon sort of where the road ends for that or any any new and exciting features or products coming out that you can share with people? So there's a lot of stuff we're working on. I cannot share everything because uh, we we have to uh, to create uh, the there's a lot of things happening, but among the things I can share is that uh, there's going to be a Aave 2.5 uh, ver version with a lot of good innovation, uh, and that will happen pretty shortly. I don't know when uh, this podcast is released, but maybe uh, people listening to it uh, will see the news in direct and say, oh yeah, it was pretty short, <laughs> obviously. So uh, stay tuned. It will happen uh, pretty soon. Uh, the other thing is that having the Polygon market is very good because it brings a lot of uh, uh, low cost uh, well, in terms of uh, transaction fee uh, to almost zero, but it's segregated liquidity from layer one. And a lot of people are still on Ethereum layer one and will want uh, to access the liquidity from Ethereum. And uh, to answer that, uh, the solution is rollups. The rollups technology, it's a bit complex, it's a bit technical, but uh, that's basically what Uniswap will use for the V3 uh, with Optimism, for example. There's other projects like Arbitrum of Option Labs out there. And I think it's really important to have Aave on a rollup solution so you can have a way to interact without a transaction fee or very low, uh, near zero transaction fee, but the liquidity stay on layer one. So basically you have the whales, the very rich people that use the Ethereum layer one and the normal people uh, that will use uh, the rollup on layer two. And all of them will be in the same market in the same liquidity. I think it's important for this uh, to happen and it will happen in the next few weeks as well. Another thing that we can talk about is that uh, there's a lot of very big players looking into DeFi right now. I'm talking about institution or uh, these kind of actors. Uh, the institutions are not all of them comfortable with completely decentralized and permissionless markets. And uh, there's a need to have 
market that is tailored for institution. So some kind of Ave Pro market or these kind of things. There's a lot of research being done on, on top of it. I cannot say a lot of things about it, but I can say there's very active uh, development on that side and uh, there's big partnership uh, happening on that side as well. And uh, I think it's going to be big and maybe it will remove one of the last bottleneck of uh, the adoption of decentralized finance because uh, if uh, the compliance people are happy, usually uh, they are the, the main bottleneck of uh, widespread adoption. So that, that can be an interesting thing. And I think uh, that's already a lot of things. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of uh, other opportunities and things happening into AVE. Uh, one last thing I can say is that there's been a, a tweet uh, yesterday, very, very uh, mysterious tweet about the, uh, the AVE account, about the social media on AVE. Uh, I cannot say more information, but uh, that's a pretty exciting project. Uh, it's been uh, worked on uh, for quite a few months now, and it's very near completion. So stay tuned to that. I think uh, it will uh, make people go crazy. I'm very excited for that. And I love how fast things are moving in this space. And I I don't know how you guys are working on so many different things at one time and doing it so quickly. But I I think what you guys are doing are is awesome. And I can't wait to see where Ave goes in the next year. It sounds like there's already a million plans just for the next year alone. One other thing I want to talk to you about is something else that you're working on outside of Ave is PyDAO. Were you one of the founding members? Of PyDAO? Uh, I'm one of the contributors of PyDAO. I helped contribute one of the index uh, for a, a DeFi index. I I try to give uh, advice and um, and feedback to the team, but I'm not part of the core team. Ave is taking all my time, so I'm very happy to support the project in a, any way I can, but that's not my main activity, obviously. Can you just maybe tell the listeners quickly what is PyDAO and then if any of our listeners are interested in DAOs and want to get involved in a DAO, what's the process to get involved in a DAO? Yeah, uh, so PyDAO, the first thing is that there's thousands of assets in, uh, in the blockchain ecosystem. Like uh, it's completely uh, something that can be mesmerizing, uh, the fact that there's so many tokens out there and some of them and most of them are completely trash. And uh, if you buy it, you have all the opportunities to, that this asset will go to zero. Some of them are uh, great lifetime opportunities, but obviously it's impossible to know before ends which one is what. So what PyDAO does is that instead, like DeFi is my full-time job. And let's be honest and look at my face. <laughs> I spend like 16 hours a day working on it <laughs> every day. But I have this kind of dedication and I maybe uh, understand like 20% of what is happening in this space. So if you have a full-time job, you are working like a 40, 45 hour week uh, uh, to do your main activity and pay your bills. I can understand that you don't have the dozens of hours per week needed to catch up with the ecosystem. And that's completely fine. And what PyDAO does is that they do curation. They create index, so in this, uh, a basket of assets that will uh, represent uh, a sector. So DeFi plus L will do in one token, in one investment, you will buy a 
repartition of the main asset of the main uh, DeFi protocol, like for example, Compound that we talk about, the Maker asset from MakerDAO, the Aave asset, the SNX, and all these kind of things, all in one investment. So if you want to be a diversified investor, you can have some Bitcoin, you can have some ETH, and you can have, for example, DeFi plus L. So you have exposure in only three investments to the main stuff that is happening inside the ecosystem. And they have all the kind of assets. So they have like play tokens, because we didn't talk about it, but uh, one of the main innovation uh, of these past few months are NFTs and video games uh, on the blockchain. So they have also an index for video games and this kind of stuff. Uh, and all of that in one asset, super easy to use, uh, super curated. And the whole point is creation because we don't have, not all of us have dozens and dozens of hours uh, to uh, to dedicate to this space. And those guys know what they do. And all the index and the tokens are created, it's because it's a DAO. It's a decentralized autonomous organization. So anybody uh, can, just like somebody going to governance.ave.com to say, hey, I want that asset uh, onboarding into the Ave markets. You can go to PyDAO uh, Governance and uh, say, oh, I really think that this asset and this asset and that asset are really interesting. Uh, they have a good correlation together. And I think it's a good investment opportunity to create a basket of these three assets or this, those five assets. And let's create uh, an index together. People would discuss about it. Some of them are experts and will give feedback. And then they would create uh, the allocation and bam, you have a new financial product that is accessible to everybody. So it's super interesting stuff. Uh, the, the team is super skilled and uh, it's a pleasure to, to work with them. Uh, if you are an investor and you want to dive into it, I invite you to do your own research and uh, check them uh, directly by DAO.org. Very cool. Very cool. I checked out the website briefly, but the way you explained it was a lot clearer. So thank you for doing that. And I'll definitely check it out after this call. So thanks so much, Mark, for being here. Before we wrap up, the last segment that I do on every podcast episode is called Explain Your Tweet. This is where I pull some tweets uh, that, that you've posted and that I found to be interesting or cryptic or funny, and I give you a chance to explain them. So before we even get into that, I will say, first of all, a lot of your tweets are very cryptic if you're not from the crypto world. I think you get pretty deep into some of the crypto games and things like that on, on your Twitter. But before we even dive into that, can you explain what your Twitter name is? So your name is your name, Mark Zeller, but then your in parentheses is um, the number seven in Chinese uh, and then Billy. Or Japanese. Or Japanese. Or Japanese. Uh, or but Japanese. the kanji is Chinese, so let's, uh, let's, let's say that. Basically, it was a, a joke. Uh, so a billion dollars uh, is a Billy. Uh, in the ecosystem and uh, Billy is a name so I had this joke to to be called like Billy Zeller <laughs> because uh, when we reached like a, a billion dollars uh, market size and then uh, at some point we reached uh, five billion dollars market size right now we are at, uh, at seven but uh, at some point we reach five billion and uh, I start doing those joke about Japanese so five uh, in Japanese uh, is go so go Billy uh, and then uh, nana Billy and this kind of things so it's stupid jokes like stupid internet memes love it love it okay and then so the first tweet that I'm going to call out this is from 
March 12th of 2021, you tweeted, I just bought my first cat OTC. If you want to buy OTC, a small thread to avoid being in wrecked HQ. This, I think to somebody not in the crypto space, a lot of this is, um, is foreign language to them. So do you want to explain all the moving parts to this? So basically, this is also one of the crazy things. So most, uh, well, obviously in, in my Twitter account, I talk about Ave, but I also talk about uh, the, the stuff I, I do outside of it. And I love internet jokes. Obviously, I'm much more serious than Elon Musk, which is like the king of the internet jokes and uh, this kind of culture. But um, uh like it was uh, a very old smart contract, one of the first NFTs uh, that happened on the Ethereum blockchain. It was called Mooncat. And for some reason, someone rediscovered the smart contract from, I, I think, 2016 or something like that, the early days of the Ethereum blockchain, and say, hey, guys, this contract uh, exists and we can mint NFTs of uh of cats and it was cat's picture and you know how the internet works when there's a cat involved like everybody goes batshit crazy about cats <laughs> that, that's the whole point and obviously i'm a big fan of cats as my myself like lemmy's gate uh cats uh my my name as this contract was very old they were not a very accessible user interface and as always there's a lot of scam happening uh, on the blockchain and this kind of thing so I used my technical skill to, uh, and that's basically this Twitter thread to explain to people how they can exchange their card for other cards, uh, in this, uh, system, this NFT system. So they don't get scammed. So basically using a escrow system, uh, all these kind of things, because we can do crazy things, but in blockchain, crazy things sometimes are worth money. That's, uh, that's the, uh, the craziest of the crazy things. And. Uh, we want everybody to have a, a nice experience. And part of what we do as member of this committee is to educate people and make sure they have fun in a safe environment so they, they, get, they get not uh, their money stolen. Yeah, and I love that there's so many rabbit holes you can go down in the crypto space and you can really get into crypto from any angle. Like if you're just a cat fan, you can get into crypto from cat stuff, you know, crypto kitties or moon cats or whatever the case exactly. may be. <laughs> so the other the other tweet I want to pull out, this is from March 11th of 2021. You said, I'm not very educated on this, but why give Christie's folks a hefty cut when the whole point of blockchain is to remove the middlemen between the buyers and the artists? Congrats on the landmark event, though. So I think this was when the Beeple's, the $69 million Beeple art was sold? Yeah. Probably, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I was like celebrating the event because uh, Beeple is the third uh, highest selling living artist uh, out there, like in history so far. So that's a landmark event and uh, it happened on the Ethereum blockchain, uh, paid with the Ethereum assets. So that's uh, there's been a before and after this event in the art world. Nobody uh, in the art world can ignore the Ethereum blockchain and the NFTs because that happened. So that's something that is really important. But the whole point of blockchain is to remove the middleman. And basically Christie's, which is something very prestigious and something very serious, obviously uh, they deserve their, their money for their business and they do that like for hundreds of years now, but they took 15%. So more than 10 millions of dollars uh, in, this, uh, in these things to do what? 
to collect it inside an address and then send the it uh, to the Bible address. Like that's something super easy. Anybody can do that. If you have a, a Trezor ledger at home, you can do that very safely. Or if you have metamask.io, you can do that as well. Does that action deserve $10 million? Obviously, they do other things like giving exposure, uh, giving their brands awareness or all these kind of things. But that's the first thing. And the other things that is important is that both people and Christie's in this story, they receive it and then they sold everything instantly into uh, USD. And using the Ethereum technology and not keeping even one it <laughs> as as the artist and the, the auction owns to maybe just give a shout out to the technology that enabled all this was a shitty move, to be honest. And that's why I... Every month or every couple of weeks, I remind them what, how much money they would have uh, if they uh, didn't sold everything. And uh, last time I did it, it was like five days ago. And basically, the sixty-nine million dollars is worth like was worth uh, like three or five days ago, uh, one hundred three million dollars. So I remind them. If you are older, if you believe in the technology, if you believe in the assets, uh, instead of just selling for quick profit, usually uh, that's the, the best option. Got it. Yeah, I, I saw your posts on your Twitter too, like reminding, you know, like 69 million ETH is equal to however much today. And okay, I didn't realize it, it all came from this tweet. So thanks for explaining that. And I completely agree with you. Um, you, know, you know, you should at least respect the technology enough to keep it on the technology when yeah, that's, just, you just know, keep like one or two percent to, to give a shot up to the technology. Like yeah. selling everything was a bad move, to be honest. I agree. I agree with that. All right. Well, thanks so much, Mark, for being here. I had a great conversation with you. Learned so much about Ave. Before you go, just tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you personally, and then also how they can start using Ave. So it's Ave.com. And then once they go on and they, they log in, and what are some of the first things that they can do when they go to Ave.com? I think the first thing is that they, they can see the yield. And, uh, they can set up their MetaMask account. I highly recommend uh, using the MetaMask wallet uh, to interact with any platform on Ethereum. If you never use DeFi or the blockchain ecosystem, I highly recommend that you use the Polygon blockchain first because the transaction fee are almost zero. So even if you do a mistake, if you deposit the wrong asset and you want to redraw and redeposit another one, you will not spend dozens of dollars or tra transaction fee. It's uh, much cooler to do, to do it in a safe but cheap uh, to use environment. And, um, People can find me on Twitter. I do a weird, uh, <laughs> weird tweets uh, most of the days, but uh, I always try to find the time to answer to my DMs, uh, to answer to people uh, commenting my tweets. I try to uh, to have like a, a cool relationship with with people because at the end of the day, it all boils down that we are a community in decentralized finance, and anybody uh, can should feel welcome inside our community. It's okay not knowing everything. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to learn. And uh, it's okay to make progress and go step by step in your learning curve. And everybody will try to welcome you inside our ecosystem. So feel free to say hello on Twitter. Feel free to uh, say hello on our Discord server on uh, Ave. You can find all the links of that on Ave.com. And uh, I will be more than uh, happy to meet you guys. Love it. Well, thanks so much, Mark. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.